I've been feeling down recently. Wake up around three or four just to go back to bed again. I just can't face the world, honestly. The time I spent awake was mostly in front of the TV. It didn't matter what was on, really. I'd just soak into it until what usually happened. There would be a moment of conflict or a key change. You know I never loved you. I'm pregnant. You're not the father. And I would be struck with this severe anxiety. So I'd change the channel, maybe to the next station. Or maybe I'd just channel hop. Then eventually I'd settle down again and the anxiety subsides. I'm comfortable again. It wasn't even the shows that gave me that. It was the commercials, the adverts. I began to notice that there was no conflict in commercials. Nothing uncomfortable. It sang like opium. Even the film quality of the adverts was better. It was like it was another better version of life. One where people afflicted with illness still enjoyed full happy lives. Where every price was reasonable. Poverty only existed in other countries and everyone coexisted happily. There was no struggling. No conflict, only harmony. So I didn't want that feeling to stop. I held on to it. In my dreams, I would be in those commercials. There I could bear life. I would be eating chips with friends or surfing with pixies. Maybe I'd be in another country. On a beach I would never be able to reach any other way. Swimming in a crystal blue sea. Looking the way I always wanted to look. All I had were these dreams for so long. Though I guess it couldn't go on. I knew I needed to move past this but but I didn't want to. One night I had this dream, must have come from a Pringles advert that my brain had digested. I was in this warm room, the walls were bright living red, and I had so many friends of every race and they were all about the same age as me. There were all of them, maybe ten of them, sat on a couch meant for four. We were watching a football match and we were all cheering at the same time, rising in slow motion as our Pringles rose out of their tubes. Everyone's faces was charged with this excitement of the potential ecstasy at the point of our team scoring. 
and my face fell and so did the faces of my friends. We sank back into the couch. The other team had scored. The Pringles landed all over us and all around us. Then I thought about the mess that would accumulate from the Pringles. Would it be me who had to clean them up? I mean, I really don't want to upset these people. I want them to like me. Because now I see them looking at me and they're covered in Pringles and I know that they think that all of this is somehow my fault. But I'm to blame for everything going wrong. Because they're right. They're totally right. They're right. They're right. It was me who watched the Pringles commercial. This is my dream. I should take responsibility. I know that. I was sat in the centre of the couch then. And all of my friends were looking at me. I stood to leave as they began. This is not your part. 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 What's happening, my fellow travellers? It's your main man, Travis, and welcome to. First of all, I'd like to apologise for not uploading in so long. Um, you know, think it must have been a couple of months. Um, you know, sorry. But to give you an indication as to why, here's a clip from an unreleased video from a few weeks back. Okay. Okay. Okay, silence. Okay. What's happening, my fellow travellers? It's your main man. <laughs> Yeah, so that was my life for the last few months, but thankfully my prayers and bi-weekly calls to the police have been answered, uh, and the sweatshop in the flat downstairs has been shut down. Thank you, thank you, yes, thank you. Uh, so, no more going to sleep in ear protectors, no more plaster shaking from the ceiling at all hours, and after finding a stash of clothes behind the bins that they uh, obviously didn't want the police to find, the only sound you'll hear in the background of these videos will be the drip. I think they tried to flush the rest of the clothes down the toilet, so uh, there might actually be some actual dripping sounds as well. Okay, okay, so you saw the title of the video, you clicked, so uh, whew, here it is, uh, the big announcement. 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 So as you all might know, uh, I get a lot of requests from Patreon for content, for, uh, for games or movies, uh, shows to review, you know, whatever, but uh, just last month I got a pretty strange request from one of my uh, Patreon backers. <laughs> I think pretty strange is a, is a nice way of putting it. Uh, basically, I... <laughs> I mean... Uh, I'll just I'll just read the email. I'll just read the email, honestly. I, 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 I don't know how to phrase it, really. Hi, Travis. I hope this message finds you well. I'm a long-time viewer of your channel and a big fan of you as a YouTube personality. 
I don't think there's anyone else who could make an eight-hour playthrough of Minecraft so watchable. I know you have stated in the past that you'd like to diversify your content and perhaps move into more investigative videos. Yeah, uh, so I have a proposal. With the recent lockdown measures put into place by the UK government, many people are facing a day-to-day -day not unlike that of a battery chicken. People are wondering how they will be able to cope. So, my proposal is, if you agree to live life as a chicken for a full calendar year, I will personally pay you one million pounds. I know it might sound rather bizarre, but the idea came to me in a dream and I haven't been able to shake it. I eagerly await your response. So, I responded. The guy turned out to be some kind of investment banker and even though he wants to remain anonymous, which, you know, I can kind of get, uh, he sent some bank statements which had more zeros than my high school friend group. So, uh, after a few calls with his representative, you know, uh, legal people, you know, we're negotiating. This... This... is the million pound contract. And this... is my signature. So I know what you must be thinking. Because, you know, I, I, I thought it too. It's, it's mental. It's mental, I know. It's mental. It's mental, I know. But all I have to say is a million pounds isn't chicken feed. Namaste and welcome to the introduction to Meditate Yourself Thin. My name is Chance Lorimer and I will be your guide on your journey to your weight loss goal. If this were a video and not an audio recording, you would note that I am a slender man, yet supple and laden with energy like a month-old horse. I would thank you for noticing this, perhaps with a blush or a bashful shrug, before informing you but this was not always the case. I too was just like you. Fat, bulging, and never over a metre away from something dairy. So, how did I make the change? I'm sure many of you have experienced the low point, the sharp shock of realisation as to how you may have gotten this way. Perhaps it happened not so long ago. Maybe you ruined your uncle's funeral by eating all of the buffet. Maybe you got so hungry you ate your own hands. I've heard of many such happenings. The event that sparked my own rehabilitation came five years ago when I was escorted out of a McDonald's after demanding that everything I had ordered be served in one sandwich. My nuggets, 
me other sandwiches, the fries, as well as the ice cream. The employee insisted that it couldn't be done. They didn't have the bread buns with the dimensions to cope with the food load. But I was adamant. I grew violent. At that point, my size must have saved me from a prison sentence, as I was unable to vault the counter to properly attack the staff. It took several security guards to drag me out, only after I had tired from falling so much. As I was hauled out, with a stout man and each appendage, I realised that I had become something less than human. After they parked me on the curb outside, one of the security guards came up to me with pity in his eyes. I think he was the only one who recognised tears amongst the sweat. Look, he said, I think the Chinese might help you if you want. When you find yourself at a crossroads, it's important to open yourself to signals from the universe. If I was perceiving this with my previous mental state, I would have assumed he meant the takeaway down the road. But my ears were open and spun me round to the east. Oh, you, you, your eyes should be closed at this point. Uh, and your breathing. Remember that breathing is very important. But we'll get to that. What's happening, my fellow travellers? It's your main man, Travis, and I am a chicken. Do you like this suit? Huh? Hey? Please be sure, you know, to write in the comments whether or not you can see my... That'd be appreciated. My, you know, my, 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 my stepdad watches these videos. <coughs> so, day one of life as a chicken and, you know, I can't really see what the issue is, you know? What's the issue? What's the issue? What's the matter? Who cares, you know? I reckon... If those battery hens had Netflix and uh, an Xbox, they wouldn't be complaining so much, I think. Well, I guess, you know, they don't complain. If they did, it'd just be a load of... You know, just like, what? So, at 9pm yesterday, I had a delivery, okay? Um, I saw this van pull up outside and this team of, like, huge men. Uh, started bringing all of this stuff into the, my building. So then the doorbell went and... Hello? Are you Travis Donnelly? Uh, yeah? We are here to make your chicken home. Oh, sick. Okay. Um, come in, yeah. Uh, can I get you a drink? You know, uh, have you ever had a Toro Rojo? No, it's fine. Oh, really? It's this new energy drink. They send me a crate a week. So, you know, you'd be doing me a favor if I'm honest. Uh, I just have them next to me on the videos. I don't really drink them. Uh, I don't drink them. I mean, I tried, but they made me sleepwalk. 
Maybe you've seen my TikToks at the surveillance footage of me walking around about at night, you know, in the, in the middle of the night. You know, this one I had with the most views, I was trying to play saxophone on an umbrella. You know, I was all like, No talk while we make chicken house. Oh, uh, what should I sit? Say nothing. Be good chicken. <laughs> okay. Well, I had wanted to put a time lapse of the coop being put up, but all I managed to get was 20 minutes of bobbing ass cracks, you know, and I'm not going to put that up unless you'd like me to. But here's the finished product. Ta-da! Uh, shall we take a tour? Uh, the entrance, uh, I mean, I have to uh, get on all fours to get inside. And uh, when you do, you just bed down in the hay here and drift off. No need to set an alarm. I am the alarm. <laughs> all right, so here's my uh, oversized uh, water feeder. I uh, think that must be about four liters i would say and um uh yep that's water here's my food tray and i know a lot of people have been asking uh how i'm gonna work this so you know my patreon backer was pushing for a purely feed diet but uh, you know the doctors and legal people uh didn't uh you know didn't uh uh i probably would have died but thankfully, we found a professor at the University of Burnley who has actually developed a form of animal feed that also provides all the nutrients that a human being needs. And after some uh, discussions, some negotiations, which I'm getting very good at. I'm a great deal maker. That's what I do. I made a lot of money. He agreed to provide a year's supply of his experimental trans-species feed in exchange for some promotion. So uh, let's just uh, dive into that, shall we? What is the line between man and beast? Is it a fine line? Is it a wavy line? Or is there any line at all? Wait, what? So, if you were one of the many that bought venison burgers from Asda, be sure to check them for lice. Okay, so, we'd like to thank one of our viewers out there for bringing this next item to our attention. His name and address were withheld, but that's understandable. I know I wouldn't be giving my name out if my testicles had swollen to the size of papayas. Oh yes, just another victim of our old friend, Dr. Vic. Long-time viewers of the programme will be all too familiar with the dodgy doctor's dealings, but for those who didn't see our investigation last series, here are a couple of clips that will bring you up to speed. So you gave a man the venom from a toxic toad, the Colorado River Toad, in what was described as a shamanic ritual. And this was to cure his heroin addiction? <laughs> yes, of course. And I think the objective was achieved. He died, Dr. Vic. 
Ah, but he no longer injects the heroin, yes? But my friend, this is a respectable practice. I am responsible for more of the penile growth than the, 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 the Pamela Anderson. You told him that you could increase the length of his manhood by 12 inches. <laughs> yes, of course, and the man now, he is a stallion. If he has any complaints, it will be against the clothing manufacturers. Why does no one make the pants that can accommodate such a member? <laughs> of course, no, 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 of course, she's a joke. I'm afraid it's not a joke, Dr. Vic. The penile enhancement you grafted onto the gentleman in question was discovered to be nothing more than a Pringles tube wrapped in goat skin. <laughs> Come on, my guy, the ladies, they are not to know, you know? All they are to know is that they are having the time of their lives. Dr. Vic, this man has a wife. A wife who is now in the midst of filing a divorce against her husband. Ah, great. Now he will have the chance to be using it, I think, yes? Incredible. What's even more incredible is that the good doctor is still in possession of a Dutch medical license even after having a whopping 11 illegal practices shut down by Dutch authorities. And now with his 12th enterprise, Dr. Vic's vasectorium coming under international scrutiny, we met with Dr. Vic at the bathhouse that he calls his office in central Amsterdam. Dr. Vic. Simon, my guy, it has been a long time since I have seen you. Here you are again and I am all pink and ticklish. I wish I could say that I'm happy to see you, Dr. Vic, but we're here to talk about your latest business venture, your so-called vasectorium. <laughs> Fantastic! You're putting your Bosch in the right hands, my dude. No, 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 no. Our program has received several complaints regarding the legality of your methods. But they are happy with the results, I think, my friend? No, Dr. V quite the opposite, in fact. One of our viewers told us that after having his procedure at your practice, his testicles turned black. Ah, so the ladies, uh, they think he is the uh, exotic one, huh? <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, right, my friend? No, Dr. Vic. The patient in question had to be taken to the emergency room on his return to England, where a doctor, a far more competent doctor, had to remove a set of elastic bands from the poor man's testicles. I'm not sure if you're aware, but this particular individual is looking to take legal action against you. Ah, that is a shame, my guy. These bands, they are the patent-pending special bands, you see. And if you have the outside party to take off these special bands, you also say goodbye to the warranty. You must be joking! No, 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 of course not, my friend. Did he keep the bands, at least? I, I believe they are in the hands of his legal team. Oh, ah, well, my friend, then it is really me who should be shooing him. <laughs> okay, okay, this time I am making the joke. This is no laughing matter, Dr. Vic. You have been closed down 11 times by Dutch authorities. 
the rehab centre, the penoplasty clinic, even your chain of gyms for very fat children. All of these endeavours were found to be negligent by the Dutch courts. So, how are you back in business? How have you kept a medical licence for all of this time? Um, I was actually out for my daily exercise, still wearing the suit, obviously, you know, can't take it off. So uh, I think I've gotten over being in public at this stage now, but incidents still happen. So I was at a zebra crossing and there was this guy at the bus stop just next to me and he said, I can't wait to see this. I was like... What? I'm so, I'm so, what, 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 what? And he said, I've always wanted to know what made the chicken cross the road. So I said, Oh, he must have had some pedo trying to talk to him. <laughs> Don't know if he actually was uh, a pedo, uh, but he did have a beard. Uh, he also was actually way bigger than I thought he was when he stood up, so I just legged it, you know, ran away. I know that might not be the Chad Alpha dog thing to do, but, you know, come on. You know, I was wearing a chicken costume. So that's my near-death experience. Thanks for tuning in, my fellow travellers. Like and subscribe for some more crunchy golden chicken nuggets tomorrow. The very next day, I quit my job as a professional darts player and flew to Beijing, China to undergo a thorough immersion in Chinese culture. After six months and having gained six more stone, I finally realised that the urban metropolis, with its wealth of fast food options, was no place for a large man seeking spiritual reprogramming. The issue, I understand now, was that I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to approach or even begin the process. But again, I remained open to messages from the universe, and it brought the answer. On trying to find a spiritual path, I was drawn to the Long War Monastery of Dalian Province. I was just visiting as a tourist, but I was to realise that my entire life had been as a tourist up until this point. On inspecting the famous golden dragon altar to the rear of the main temple, I had misplaced my balance and fell through the ornate wood, splintering it to pieces. I initially thought I had gotten away with the faux pas until I arose from the pile of former altar to notice a circle of furious monks around me. 
they informed me that the altar had been at the temple for a generation and that there was no price that could be paid for another. I was frightened. What was the answer? In my previous life I, I would have been lost. I might have cried or attempted to fight my way back to the tour bus, backhanding any monk that might cross my path. But instead, I opened my heart for the answer. I thought about what might happen if you didn't have the money to pay for a meal you've just eaten at a restaurant. You might be made to wash the dishes. So, that's what I offered. I was in debt to these people, to this temple, so I would work off my debt. It took me twelve years, twelve of the most rewarding years of my life. Sweeping the grounds, plumbing, grouting. After only a year or so, the monks told me that this wasn't necessary, that money in fact would suffice as repayment. But I knew that this was a test of my resolve, that every time they avoided my queries about the big questions, or pinched me as I slept, or sent me to the village to fetch a left-handed broom, it was because they needed to know that I was true in my desire to master my desires. It was only after ten long years that I was granted an audience with the abbot of the monastery. This was a man I had held in such high regard, a man I knew to be of great wisdom and grace. So when I finally got the chance to meet him, I could wait no longer and asked him, Master, please, what can I do to attain true self-possession? He just laughed and said, You were very fat when you came here, yes? And I said, Yes, Master, yes, I was very fat. And you are no longer fat. Which was true. Just by living the simple life of a monk, I had lost every ounce of fat that wasn't essential to my daily functioning. You already have the answer to the question you arrived with, he said. He then stood up and went for a smoke. I did not move. He was right. Thoughts about my size followed the weight as I lost it. It was not an active process. Of course it was a side effect of voluntary poverty, but from this twelve-year life-altering experience, and with every ounce that I lost, I gained a fortune in knowledge and wisdom that I will be sharing with you over the course of five hour-long installments. Oh, I hope you're still breathing. I hope you've never stopped breathing. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling much better today. Oh, thank you. Uh, what's that? 50p. Oh. Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks. 
Oh, man, I, I haven't played this game in ages, so I've forgotten who's good. I... What's that? Don't I wish that someone was paying me to be a bird that could actually fly? <sighs> yes, it would be really nice if someone could give me money so I could fly. Like an actual bird. Okay, okay. Kenichi Yamamoto. Kenichi Yamamoto. Yeah, I remember this guy had uh, a sick down forward one, so he's really good on the counter. And okay, here we go. Killing it, killing it all day. No chance, no chance. And he's down. Just. Just like that. Just like that. Damn, I think I'm better than I remember at this. This oh this is easier. <laughs> One or the other. Oh, there you go. There you go. Too fast. Too fast. You know I've got the skills to pay the The Netherlands is a progressive country, as you uh, may have heard, my friend. We believe in giving people chances to be what they want to be, to seize the rainbow at number one. Hold it high, my dude. Of course, in the UK, you want to start a business, you need the planning permission, the, the, the meeting with the bank manager with his bald head and permission from the Queen. But here in the Netherlands, it is a land of opportunity. Eleven times, Dr. Vic! Eleven times you have been shut down by authorities. The Dutch Telegraph has reported of long-term corruption in the Dutch private healthcare sector with licenses given in exchange for backhanders. How do you answer these charges? Uh, corruption? Oh, bribe, the backhanders. These are like ugly words when you say it. I think of like a, a big scary worm or damper or something. But in reality of the situation, it is completely friendly, my guy. In our country, there is no hard feelings. Th this is all nonsense, Dr. Vic. Stop evading the question. <laughs> okay, okay, so I give the example. The Surgeon General, maybe you know uh, Dr. Dennis van der Meda. He is a very fair and honest man. Dr. van der Meda, yeah, yes, Dr. van der Meda. I was going to ask you about Dr. van der Meda. Pl please, my guy, I am answering the question. So, Dr. Dennis, he wants to be 110% clear as the morning rain, my friend, that the procedure is safe. He knows me, he has no fear like the mouse in the hole, so I perform the vasectomy procedure on Dr. Dennis, and he is very happy. He knows it is a good procedure, then lickety split, no more children of the questioned origin, my guy. Dr. Vic. Dennis van der Meda went on to die from complications stemming from the vasectomy procedure you performed on him. 
Did you not know that? Of course I did. Yes, he, he was my in-law brother. He, he was your... Oh, that might explain a lot. Okay, then what about the claims that the Dutch Telegraph made that your main source of income is actually from prostitution? I have done many things in my life. I have wrestled a lion after shooting it on safari. I have invented a form of grammar that eliminates the need for punctuation. But me, Dr. Vic, I have never sold my ash to a so-called, how do you say, ash bandit? No, no, no. You are profiting from the prostitution of women in your establishments here in the city. My friend, please. This is Amsterdam. Prostitution is not the taboo, oh no, let's talk in the closet while the children are here kind of subject. Do you think I am the leader of some kind of <laughs> illegal prostitution ring? Well, are you? No, no, no. Come on, my dude. I mean, we do have a ring, but that's more for the special public exhibitions that we have. Have you ever seen three prostitutes fight a grown bull? That, that sounds barbaric. <laughs> oh no, of course not. You see, they, they are more promotional than anything. See the secret? The behind the Wizard of Oz curtain with the mystery is that the bull, he is as tame as a lazy house cat because his balls have been attended to by yours truly, Dr. Vic, my dude. Of course, maybe we get the drugs, but it is not so important things. You drug the bull? So the people, they think, my God, these poor prostitutes, they will be sent to the red light district in the sky. But the truth is that they are in no more danger than if you were to be rolling a cigarette while striving. Rolling a... Then when the bull has been pinned, one, two, three, the bell rings, we make the announcement, apologize for any sham, but explain the work we do with the testicles. And after this, the girls, they try to make the bull excited. They, you know, they, they, they bounce, they jump, they run their melon chests into the bull's eyeballs. And one of the girls helps the bull reach its conclusion. I'm sorry, this is to show the effectiveness of your procedure? Yes. <sighs> Dr. Vic, do you realize that over the course of this interview, you have admitted to extreme medical negligence, your links to underground prostitution, facilitating bestiality, and the manslaughter of your own brother-in-law, and you don't seem to register a single wrongdoing on your part? My friend, come on, I know I know that not all of you British people are so prudish. With every time you come to see me to make your program, my business explodes. If it was not for your rad, cool, totally awesome viewers who come to Dr. Vic, I would for sure be having the empty pockets in my bench. So that was another illuminating conversation with Dr. Vic. Illuminating for some unexpected reasons. According to account details given to us by Dr. Vic, 95% of his customers in the last 10 fiscal years, across all of his 
bloody mental businesses have been from UK citizens who stated that they learned of Dr. Vic from our program. What's wrong with you fuckwits? Were your ears installed by cowboy builders? Well then read my lips, ye fucking donuts. If you care at all about you or your loved one's balls, you will not let them get into the hands of Dr. Vic. Although on second thought, the more of you who are unable to breed, the better. Alright, what's happening my fellow travellers? It's your main man Travis, and today I'm going to be looking at the classic animation Chicken Run. The topic for today's video was nominated by my Patreon backers uh, Chicken Lover 72, uh, Travis Loves Cock 93, uh, the cockadoodle dickhead, uh, they, they, they get worse. Um, I know you guys must be thinking it's pretty funny asking me to review all these chicken things. You know, um, I did Chicken Little last week, and the week before that, the Japanese KFC shoots him up for the PS1 because it's pretty funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty funny. I'm dressed like a chicken all day every day i'm only ever allowed to wash every monday so i stink i have these rashes <laughs> i have these rashes under my skin <laughs> i woke up one morning and there was a single feather floating above me white as a ghost just dancing above my face there's no way a feather would have got in there i i don't you know, the windows weren't open. It was an actual, just, it was an actual feather. A real feather. I thought it was like a trick of the mind, you know. Uh, it, it happened before. You know, one morning I woke up with the unmistakable feeling of having laid an egg. <laughs> I just knew it. You know. It was only after scrabbling and scratching at the straw below me all morning looking for this egg could I convince myself that it was a dream that I hadn't actually laid an egg but the feather the feather was was, was real god oh my god will there be more will there be more Chicken Run is a 2000 British-American stop-motion animated comedy film produced by the British studio Admin Animations. In partnership with... I would like to take the opportunity at this time to address the recent article in the Daily Mirror which claimed that I was a racist. Of course, I am not the first from the old guard to face this accusation. So often, this charge is levied against figures from the past with no cause other than what appears to be an ongoing exercise to make us feel a little bit better about the present. 
we still have not achieved any form of utopia, any true equality. The cure for cancer still goes undiscovered, yet we never fail to discover if any public figure has shown poor judgment in their past. As if this alone might imply sufficient progress in our society. It puts in mind the Neanderthal scorning his primate ancestor for having a bright red bottom. But I digress. Those who have known me over the span of a decades long friendship or even a five to ten second handshake will know that the ugly tune of racial hatred is nowhere near my songsheet. The truth of the matter is that I only pretended to be racist to get out of jury duty. Of course, I would not have made those statements to the court clerks had they informed me that I had already been removed from the jury. The presiding judge had decided that a celebrity juror would be compromising in the case of Ant versus Deck. Perhaps he was right. I know I certainly would have dropped dead before I'd seen Ant McPartland behind bars. In any case, I would like to publicly retract my statement given to the courts that I believe that Jews should be forbidden from the England cricket team. To the contrary, my views are the opposite. Of course, if you would like to learn more, you can pick up a copy of my new book, Famous Jews of the England Cricket Team, available anywhere that books are sold as an afterthought. So after 12 years, plugged directly into the means of the universe, I identified that the selfishness that manifested itself in my greed for food was no different to my greed for knowledge. To truly contribute to state of oneness, I should share what I have uncovered. But how best to achieve this goal? How could I spread this divine message? Again, the heart that is open never goes unanswered. So, when the Long War Monastery was discovered by authorities to be in collusion with anti-government guerrilla forces, it really felt like my world was over. And as I sat in my cell, after yet another day of interrogation. I'll be honest, it was a struggle to maintain my self-possession. Yet through meditation, I found perspective. I began to see my life as a cycle. From destruction, there was always renewal. I destroyed the McDonald's. Then I found my path to China. I destroyed a priceless artefact and the path to my weight loss goal was presented to me. 
In Mandarin Chinese, the, the word crisis is composed of two characters, one representing danger and the other representing opportunity. As I was in danger, I knew that I only had to find the opportunity. This ends side one of Meditate Yourself Thin. Please turn the tape over. Oh, it's not. Okay. What's happening, my fellow travelers? It's your main man, Travis. Oh my God, thank you for tuning into the live stream. And today, oh Jesus God, today, we're about to play a game of who's about to be a millionaire. Hey, it's your phone a friend. It's me. I'm about to be a fucking millionaire. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus Christ. You people can't see I haven't earned it. I mean, I swear to God, the first thing I'm doing is spending the money on some private healthcare. Hi, doctor. Do you know much about sprouting feathers? But this, this is the moment. All right. Everything I've worked so hard for. So hard for. All right. It's uh, three minutes to ten. Uh, my Patreon backer is due at any time to give me my... Oh my god, I think I come. Hang on, 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 hang on. Uh, why are you a dog? I'm a fox. 